Hey everyone and welcome back to The Leadership Project with your host Mick Spears. We bring you thought-provoking guests and topics every week to challenge your thinking about leadership. Our aim is to help you become the leader that you wish you always had as we learn together and lead together. Welcome back to The Leadership Project with your host, Mick Spears, where our vision is to inspire all leaders to challenge the status quo, and we empower modern leaders through knowledge and emotional intelligence to create meaningful impact. In today's episode, we bring you the second part of the two-part series from the webinar, Inspiring Women at Cubic. In the previous part, we spent a lot of time with our panel talking about things like gender balance and the glass ceiling, and also key questions about societal factors as to whether people should adapt to society or it is society that needs to change. In today's episode, we bring you part two, where we go even deeper with our panel and address even more difficult and challenging questions like unconscious bias about the role that guilt plays in all of this. We talk about pay equality and also what it means to be an ally or a champion for diversity. So sit back and enjoy today's episode. Listen, think and reflect on what it means and to see what you can do to help address gender equality in the workplace and in society today. So here's an admission for you. It's about unconscious bias. We have an amazing, talented workforce and COVID-19, one of the interesting things that has come about that is we now have a window into everyone's life. So we're seeing them in their homes. We're seeing them interact with their families whilst they're balancing work-life balance within the same four walls of their home. I found myself the other day regarding and, and kind of admiring Lauren Yoakum, who is the, the marketing manager within CTS, who has four children and is performing a, a full-time job and is exceptional at her job. And I found myself reflecting on how wonderful she is as a mother and how she takes care of her children and her son will come in dressed as Spider-Man one day and daughter will come in and will need a drink another day, etc. I found myself really reflecting on how amazing she is at being able to juggle that, etc., etc. So where did the unconscious bias come in? I didn't have the same thought about my male team members that are the same, that have also got two, three or four kids and they're doing the same. They're balancing the same thing. So What's your reflection on that unconscious bias that we think that similar to what Susan was just saying, that she is balancing career and family and she didn't say these exact words, but it's almost like this expectation that it's the female role that is to do that balance and to be the one that is balancing, okay, I'm working, but I'm also looking after my family. What are your thoughts about that, Christina? For me, for those who don't know me, I know I've only been with Cupid for a very short time, but my core background has been in learning and development. 
So a lot of things that I've done over time is building into programs, just the idea of reflection. Although someone may have a different background, different lifestyle, different cultural elements they've grew up with, I always build in the element of whether or not you're an individual contributor or a leader, that it's important to reflect on just how we respond to people we interact with, whether it's within a workplace or outside of the workplace. One of the companies I came from before, we actually had a four-way test built out that at the end of every single day, every employee was tasked to answer these four questions as to whether or not they were operating with integrity, were they authentic. So that became a process that was built into their framework and their DNA to make sure that when they do resume back to work or move into the environment again, that they're also reflecting upon whether or not they've done everything they possibly can to be open-minded, think with diverse thoughts. So that really worked out well. So it was a really cool four-way test that we instituted that had every single employee take a moment to pause and assess whether or not they've done everything they possibly can as a leader, empowering people, inspiring people, and things they should do differently moving forward. Thank you, Krista. That's wonderful that your organization implemented that. I'd like to see more of that across the globe in all kinds of companies. That's wonderful to see. So Felicity, your situation is different again, but you do have a young family at home as well. What is your thought about that unconscious bias element of who is the one that's doing the balancing? And is it a team effort or is it always seem to be the expectation is in a certain direction. Your thoughts? Yeah, firstly, I want to say that obviously my dog heard you talk about working at home and balancing because although he's outside, he started barking. So apologies about that. I think the example that you gave me was really interesting. And what it made me think about is this, for me, there's kind of two sides of it. Obviously, yes, the, the, the way that you noticed yourself reacting to your observations and your thoughts is one thing. And I think unconscious bias is something that is human and I think it's not something to be ashamed of or to be worried about we but we can't start addressing it until we start observing it so I think yes the unconscious bias about perhaps the caring roles in pretty much worldwide around the world in different societies tend to fall to females and that is a generalization I know it's not 100% true but it is still pretty up there statistically so I think that actually not only harms women, but on a bit of a a segue, it harms men as well. And I've seen that people, men that I've worked with that have small children, not being able to feel comfortable taking time off to spend with their Mm. newborn children, even though perhaps the policies or the legislation is there, there's still this kind of unconscious discomfort about the male taking primary caregiver role. So it's not only for women's purpose, it's, it's for families, for children, for society, that we we try and combat that. But second to that, I think my reaction to, to your comment about Lauren and um, and other, other people is that perhaps not necessarily for myself, although it, it is kind of true as well, there was, I think it was actually for International Women's Day, a McKinsey report gave a lot of stats about basically the proportion of unpaid care work is still hugely done by women. Mm-hmm. So your observation that Lauren is amazing for doing that is true. It doesn't make men any less amazing for doing the same thing, but statistically the women are the ones doing it. So I think in that case, the unconscious bias kind of globally and statistically has a nugget of truth in it. But what we need to do is each time you notice yourself thinking like that, maybe, well, maybe in this case, it's not. Maybe I, for one, I do see my male colleagues on, you know, we often have calls at unsociable hours and, um, they will have a toddler or a baby on their lap as well. 
So I think it's something that is changing, but as you, you made the point earlier, Nick, it, it is slow and I think it's real, but it's changing. And that, that's kind of the end of my tangent. Okay, thank you, Felicity. It was really great. I'm going to reflect on that and say that uh, about guilt. And this is another generalisation, which are all unfair, but some are useful again. Men, if they skip out of work to go and see their kids' graduation at school, there's a tendency of feeling guilty that they're missing work. And for women, it can be the exact opposite. The guilt is the parenting guilt. It's on the other end. But once again, that's a generalisation and most generalisations are unfair. And like I say, some are useful. And that, that was a good reflection. Thank you, Felicity. You also brought up about pay generally there, and you spoke about unpaid work can be a very uncomfortable one, but I'd like to hear Kat's view on this. Having recently been going through a recruitment process, we still have a pay gap in the world. Why is that and what can we do about it? To Alison's point earlier, I think that do pay gaps and things of that sort, there's different reasons at different companies. I think there is, and also to Felicity's point, there is this concept of unpaid work that we still don't seem to value very much in most cultures that it's just not taken. We just don't take to heart. And I think that we probably should. And that would be a thing that I would like to change going forward. But, you know, while we're on the topic, I mean, I had what is unfortunately a fairly common circumstance with one of my previous roles where it's up for promotion. I'd like clearly matched every criteria for that promotion from a merit perspective. I'd gotten great references. Everything was aligned up for this to work out. And then it just it wouldn't go through and it wouldn't go through and I couldn't figure out why. And then it turned out that my management was trying to make an argument that they had every single woman in that group actually made between 30 and 70 percent less than the men, oh. every single one. And when we brought that up to the management, as opposed to them saying, oh, clearly this is not just one person and it's not just like three level setting. This is like a systemic problem. They took the approach of, oh, you're sowing discord among the coworkers, and how dare you bring this up and talk about salaries among yourselves? This isn't your role. This should be done through HR. This is a personal process. And it, it was at that point that I realized that it's not, there's certain things that your management can do to help you and you can do to help each other and you can bring other women up, but there's sometimes you just can't break through certain things. And I think that it's okay to recognize that it's okay to walk away in a circumstance like that because it's, you do want to be valued at work and you do want to make a good, you do want to, make, want, you want to do great work and you want to be like respected for it and get credit for it and, and get paid for it, right? I mean, you are at work to do a job and paid to do real work. So you should be paid equally. So I think that it was, you know, in my personal circumstance, it was, I, I ended up writing like a fairly detailed resignation letter that um, they ended up using for a bunch of HR workshops later on. So they ended up fixing this as a result of my leaving. But I don't think that they realized how severe it was until I actually was like, no, this is not okay. And I walked out and that was, that prompted a response. And it's unfortunate that I had to get to that point, but, you know, at least it, it was better for other people and it is getting, it is changing. You know, my colleagues that are there now have all been brought up to that level, which is great to hear. Well, their loss is our 1000% gain, Kat. Thank you. I'm disappointed to hear that you went through that. I'm really proud that you stood up for yourself and we're honoured that you chose us when you chose a, a new employer. So thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you. Happy to be here. All right. I've got one more question for all of the panellists. It'll be relatively quick fire here, and I, but I do think it's important. And then we're going to go to the Q&A from the audience. 
We will start with you, Grace. What's one piece of advice that you would give to a young woman who is entering the workforce now? So the next generation coming through, what advice would you give to them? Uh, I would say two pieces of advice. Uh, One is never sell yourself short. Uh, Be assertive, show what you can do, and don't take a back seat. Number two, get a mentor. Uh, Someone who can guide you through, someone who's been there, done that, and can guide you through. Great. All right. Thank you, Grace. Excellent advice. Christina? I would say be brave, be bold in your authentic way, be dynamic and fun, and don't let your fear take over in the circumstances that you might think you're in the place of you can't say anything. Use your voice as your tool to share your perspective and be empowered to do so. So I have to say, I've only known you a short time, Christina, but you are all of those things. And it's great to have you here as well. Alison. We talked a lot about work that gets done in the home, as well as caregiving roles. Uh, And we're always giving care to each other in the workplace and at home. So I would remind you that you can't pour from an empty cup. So boundaries are incredibly important. Self-care is incredibly important. Finding work-life balance is incredibly important. So just remember that you have to take care of yourself first before you can help and serve anyone else, your family, uh, your coworkers, anyone, the world. So take care of yourself first. Thank you, Alison. I like to think about on the flight when they tell you to put your own oxygen mask on first before you can help others, because that's how you can help the most amount of people. So yeah, that's great advice. Thank you. Felicity. So my advice is kind of two halves of a whole. And I think based on my experience is that... If a lot of us on this panel probably and a lot of my generation, we are brought up to think that there shouldn't be an issue, there shouldn't be a disparity and we can do everything just as well as anybody else. So then when you do find yourself struggling or feeling stuck or having real challenges at work, you can feel like it's you and what am I doing wrong? Am I even suited to this company, this role, this career? And my advice would be that, uh, to young women, if you if you get into that point, really reach out to your peers because I would suggest that chances are you're not alone and it's not you. And there are things that through connecting with others that you can get insight as to how to manage them and, and that type of thing. And the flip side or the continuation of that is, again, personal, I guess, journey for me is that networking isn't only for self-promotion or promotion of a company. Um, I definitely, uh, early on in my career, I really shied away from it. I was like, yeah, it's not my thing. I don't want to go network and schmooze. But when you think of networking as a way to gain support networks and connections that you can learn from and you can mentor or or find mentors through that, I think that's a different way to think of it. And um, that would be my my advice as well is don't just think of networking as self-promotion. Think of it as a way to build your support groups. Yeah, really good. I like that. We've got a question coming up in the Q&A that might be related to that. Very good, Felicity. Susan. So my message to women that are about to embark on a career, um, either at Cubic or in technology, is really that... Proceed with confidence. If you have confidence in yourself, you're just going to continue to break that glass ceiling. Women today have added so much to the economy, to just contributions to technology. I mean, just we have a female vice president, a female just co-created the the Pfizer vaccine. So women are uh, breaking through those barriers today. 
I absolutely agree. Find a mentor, whether it be co- female colleagues or or someone like Nick, who after today were, were so you know respected by all these panelists because he is a you know leading the charge on helping raise this issue today. So again, finding a mentor, finding the the friendships, building those relationships with women and men to help your uh, you know further your confidence in your career. Thank you, Susan. Bonnie. Well, Felicity and Susan both had a couple of the ones that I would have said. So I'm going to divert a little bit and say that as young women are entering the workforce, I think so often they feel like they have to have all the answers and they have to have a very clear career path in front of them. And so my advice would be use your early career as an opportunity to learn, to get experiences, to try different types of roles. Don't necessarily focus on going deep, go broad, because I've found both in my personal career journey and in many other really successful female leaders that having the breadth of experience because you've been in a lot of different types of shoes and different roles, it really adds to the intricacy and the capability that you're going to be bringing to future opportunities as you move throughout your career. Thank you so much, Bonnie. Jenny. So uh, Susan touched on confidence, but I would actually take it a step further to say exude confidence even when you don't feel it, because when you actually exude it, you actually kind of turn it inside and actually feel it on the inside and turn that feeling inside. I'd also say that you should lead with positive, infectious characteristics, and whatever those characteristics are for you, pick the ones that work for you but lead and make them infectious to other people and take a chance on yourself to explore opportunities that maybe don't feel a hundred percent right, but you never know where that journey is going to take you and take the path. You just don't know where it's going to go. Excellent. Thank you, Jenny. Be yourself, but there is something empowering, self-empowering about confidence as well. So yeah, very good. All right, Kat. There's so many good ones. I (laughs) touched on so many, but, um, a little bit of a hybrid of a few things. So I would say one thing is just pick your team um, because these are the people that you're going to be spending your your 40 hours a week or 40 plus hours. So you want to make sure that they have your back and that they respect you And because things will go wrong at work and you don't want to go back to a team that can't even look you in the face for, for okay. whatever reason. So that matters a lot. And, you know, I, I loved, I love Felicity's point about like networking for support groups. I also, it, there's just so much in there. I love that one. Yeah, I just, Excellent. these are all good points. It's like plus one on everybody. <laughs> Thank you, Kat. And Maria? I would say that, you know, once you're at work, just like you say, you're at work 40 hours a day or more. To me, people that are, that you're working with are part of family, like a second family, right? So you would have a trust and respect, so which is very important. So that's what it means. And take risk, right? To me, um, taking risk is very important. So I would say, you know, you have nothing to lose. Why not? You know, you are here, you, you took the opportunity, you put your place, you took education, you know, has been important. So all you have to do is take that risk. Nothing is going to happen and you can only win. So that's what I would say. Okay. Thank you so, so much, Maria. And thank mm-hmm. you to the whole panel for, for your great answers. We're going to go into some of the Q&A from the audience now, relatively quick fire. This first one, I'm going to come to you, Christina, and I'm going to join two of them together. They're not identical, to be clear, but they're adjacent to each other. So Charlie Simpson has asked, what can I do to be a better ally? 
And Mike Knowles has put forward about the mentoring and mentoring is a great approach, but from your perspective, what does effective championing look like? So one is the, you know, what does it take to be a good ally? The other one, what does it take to be a champion and a mentor, similar to the advice that that people have asked? Christina. So we will be launching at Cubic additional training for all of our cubes. So I would say, how can you be a better ally or what are the things that are required? I think that if we can take the training that we're deploying this year and being the champions of it or advocates of it or the influencers of it, I think that would be a great um, way forward. Um, and to also be open-minded and to take that open-mindedness and sharing cross-pollinate it with others. From a champion perspective, I think uh, what I mentioned earlier, I think it would be great to transfer knowledge. I think it'd be great to use experiences that the individual has been a part of um, and to share through stories as to how it resonates and connects with people across the, the company. Excellent. Thank you, Christina. It's exciting to see that we're looking at these things. Grace, I think this next one's a good one for you to comment on. It's a really interesting one that I, I haven't thought of before. So from Linda Watson, what is your opinion of further unconscious bias training? As an older woman, I find that often my input is dismissed due to an assumption that I may not know much about technology. I think this is more of an expression of unconscious bias. And even as women, we can apply bias to other women. What are your thoughts there, Grace? Yeah, that's such a great point, Linda. Um, I would say absolutely yes. So uh, at Cubic, we're going to have a series of training. So we started with unconscious bias. We're going to move to implicit bias. There's a difference. It's kind of the same, but there's a difference. And then we're going to talk about um, inclusive leadership and micro inequities. So those are some of the things I think that's very important. How do you recognize implicit bias? And what do you do to change that? And also for leaders, how do you become a more inclusive leader? What are the behaviors? What does good look like? And what does bad look like? Uh, I do think we, uh, we will all benefit from that. Excellent. Thank you, Grace. There's one here from Derek that I'd like to bring back to you, Christina, actually, because I, th- I think this might be the best position to answer this one. Melinda Gates has launched the Equality Can't Wait Challenge. As it's been said, if we don't speed up the pace of change, it will take 208 years to reach gender equality in the US. That's a pretty scary number. Is this a challenge we here at Cubic can or should align with? What are your thoughts on that? I haven't heard of that program, by the way. I'm going to look into it straight after this. But what are your thoughts, Christina? Is there a pass on that, Mick? I haven't heard of the program either. So oh, I don't okay. want to speak so, to something that I'm not quite sure of, if that's okay. And that's honesty and candor right here. Yeah, like, very, I don't know. Very good. I like, <laughs> I like that, Christina. I think what we can say to Derek is thank you for bringing it to our attention. It's worthwhile that we do look at it. Uh, that's great. Next one, I'm going to broadcast this one because uh, I'd like to see this. So, so Joanne Smith is saying the children's show Bluey has won critical acclaim for breaking the stereotypes portrayed in kids' shows. So I think that one just deserves a clap, and I'm going to look into that one as well because I, I mentioned Coco Melon. You can tell in Coco Melon that they have tried and they still fall short, right? So they have tried to have gender balance and it still falls short. I sit there and I see it every morning when I'm watching it. It still falls short. 
All right, that brings us to a close. We, we did get some more Q&A from the audience, but in uh, respect of everyone's time, I, I'd like to draw us to a close now. I'd like to thank so much to all of our panellists. It's not easy to sit there in front of the whole company on a Zoom call, getting recorded and getting asked challenging questions. You were all absolutely wonderful, very open and transparent in your answers. And really, I want to thank you all for your contribution today. And I want to remind everyone in the audience, first of all, thank you for your time and listening to us for the last hour. But I want you to think about at this International Women's Day, to think about that call to arms. And that is this year, it's hashtag choose to challenge. So let's do that. Let's collectively do that this year. And every day from this moment onwards, let's challenge the status quo. Let's not accept that that's just the way society is and let's take proactive call to action to do everything that we can do to make a difference in the world. And all these little things that we can do individually will add up to a big change over time. I would like to see it accelerate. And I'm Derek's 208 years, that's a shocking number. It would be criminal if we let that be the number that we end up chasing. So please, thank you for your time. Choose to challenge the status quo. Support International Women's Day and don't take the status quo as being that's just the way the world is. Thank you again. Thank you for your time. You've been listening to The Leadership Project with your host, Mick Spears. We hope you enjoyed the show. We look forward to bringing you another great episode next week. In the meantime, please don't forget to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast service so that you can be notified of all of our future episodes. And if you'd be so kind to please leave us a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, it would be greatly appreciated. Until next time, please stay safe and always remember to challenge the status quo. for listening to The Leadership Project at mixbeers.com. A huge call out to Faris Sadek for his video editing of all of our video content and to all of the team at TLP. Joanne goes on, Gerald Calibo and my amazing wife, Say Spears. I could not do this show without you. Don't forget to subscribe to The Leadership Project YouTube channel where we bring you interesting videos each and every week. And you can follow us on social, particularly on LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram. Now, in the meantime, please do take care, look out for each other and join us on this journey as we learn together and lead together.